0: Hey, I'm Kevin, the student pastor at Shore Church again. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, Kevin mentioned that... uh, I'm speaking for the next couple of weeks, and I'm a regional pastor. And I know a lot of you might wonder, what is a regional pastor? Um, I don't know. I've been doing it for 12 years, and I don't have a clue. Uh, what I help churches that are in transition, that are in conflict. Today, after church, I leave for uh, a congregational meeting uh, somewhere else in the state that uh, has has just had to dismiss a pastor. So I deal with all of those kinds of things, but then I get to do things like this to Stand in the gap for pastors who are on Sabbath or on vacation or rest, uh, consult with churches, do a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, I wanted to know what do, you, what do you all keep your thermostats at in, at your house? <laughs> 74. 74? In the summer. Seven. Thank you. Thank you. I hear 70. Do I hear 69? 69. Do I hear 68? 68. 68. Can, so so, Yvonne is comfortable. Can we turn the thermostat down a little bit? I am, I am like wet, and I, I didn't stand up or anything. For those of you who are watching online, I just want you to know, you are thankful. You need to just be thankful, because it is like, it's like really, really warm. Are we not giving enough, or What? Wow! Are, are you high as high? Nobody's moving to the thermostat. Move to the thermostat. Turn this thing on. I Let me tell you something funny. When we used to have, when we were here uh, several years ago, Paul, you may remember this, but several years ago, we used to have a room back there, and there was a thermostat on the wall. And people kept messing with this thermostat. and And it was making someone angry. And so... We put a dummy thermostat on the wall. It wasn't hooked up anywhere. Because people when they came into church, they just felt like they controlled the thermostat. Like much like I just did. And and so people would come in and say, "Oh, it's hot in here." You know, and it didn't work. It was yeah, it was just it didn't even work. It was like it was I, I guess that was not very honest. Was it? But but yeah, it worked for a while. Uh but Um, People like Perry Ackerman love that. Uh, So, all right. Did you notice uh, one of the songs that we sang today talked about, I think Eric was leading it, we talked about a battle. So when I fight, I fight on my knees. The battle belongs to you. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. So when we come to church, why are we talking about like battles and fighting and, and wrestling with the enemy? Songs from the earlier generation, uh, like, like I would know, uh, songs like this one. Ray, you'll know this one. Some, some of you might remember this one. Forward, forward is our battle cry. Onward, onward to our home on high. We will conquer for the Lord or die. Forward, forward, press the battle on. Good song. I'm on the winning side was another one. Uh, onward, Christian soldiers. Most of you would know that one. Onward, Christian soldiers. Press the battle on. Overcomers. We are overcomers. The language of many of our songs currently and previously. The language of our songs, and, and frankly, scripture, talk about a battle. And I think we, it's important for us to be aware of the battle. The scripture talks about um, the, the armor of God, um, how, we, how we should put on the armor of God. It's pretty clear if you've been around the church very long at all, there's this battle that we talk about, a struggle that we talk about. Um, I think it's fair to say that we all have missteps. We all have failures uh, from time to time. There's sin in our journey, but it is God's desire for you to experience his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We'll talk about that in just a minute. The battle will change as we mature in Christ. Christ. So the battles that I faced when I was in my 20s are very different from the battles that I face in, in my uh, middle 50s, <laughs> right? I mean, I still, some of the battles are still the same. Like I still battle insecurities from time to time. I still battle people-pleasing, pride, envy, it's the values of this world bombard us every day, and as we mature in our age and in life, the battles change. What we battle with changes. Um, for instance, Lisa and I—I I mean, what we used to fight about when we were young—we don't fight about that stuff anymore. Now we fight about thermostats and, uh, <laughs> and stuff like that. Um incidentally I didn't hear the air kick on and I think Kevin just walked there and did absolutely nothing. <laughs> so I think he just he just was like I know I'm controlling. Here. Um, I will also tell you that as as life has gone on and maturity has happened that there is a deep lasting significant change that occurs in one's speech and behavior and relationships as life matures. And I'm a testimony today of God's goodness and his faithfulness and that he can be trusted. But that doesn't mean that the battle doesn't rage on. So what I want to talk about today is Romans 12, 2, and that is how do we experience God's best for us and not give in to the battle not, not live defeated, not wake up every morning and say, well, life is this hard and the battle rages on. I just can't, I can't do it and you just live defeated. Or, or this one that I hear a lot, well, I, I have to sin. I can't not sin. So it's just always going to be this way. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I think it'll come up on the screen. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. Then, and those little words are so important. Then, if you do those things, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In in that translation, there are 18 words at the beginning, 19 words after the, the uh, word then. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. That's 18 words. Then we have the word then, and then another 18 words. You will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is waiting. For you god's good, pleasing, and perfect will is waiting or waiting for you. those last nineteen words can describe your life when you learn to do the first eighteen words so so in order to so to, in order to discover god's good and pleasing and perfect will for our lives, we have to be able to do the first 18 words. If we're going to get to the last 18, 19 words, we have to do the first 18 words. And that's what I want to talk about. How do we experience his good, pleasing, and perfect will in your life? The reason I I started talking about battle uh, this morning is very important. If we don't understand that we are in a battle if we don't understand that there is an enemy, if we don't understand that where the battle is fought, we are destined to spiritual frustration, discouragement, and failure. And that's why why we see so many uh, people who have followed Christ for a long time and they're living beneath the privileges that God has for them because they haven't learned to do the first 18 words And they just give up on the last eighteen words. We have to know that there is a battle going on. It's very real. Um, Ephesians, Paul says in Ephesians chapter six, verse twelve: "For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms." You you have an enemy of your soul. You have an enemy of your soul, and his goal is to destroy your life. The enemy wants to destroy your relationships. He wants to destroy your testimony in Christ. Aren't you glad you came to church to be encouraged today? (laughs) (laughs) Satan is the architect of evil in this world, and we're going to get to the redemptive side of this pretty soon, so just hang with me. One of of Satan's... uh, Uh, techniques in this battle, is he takes things that are beautiful and he twists them just enough to trip you up. He wants to destroy every chance you have to discovering the good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. Satan's tactic is to take something beautiful and good and twist it just enough so that it becomes sin. Example, love and marriage. Love and marriage, I think we would mostly agree, it's a wonderful thing. There may be a few people that would challenge the marriage thing, but for the most part, all of us would agree in this room, love and marriage is a wonderful thing. But if Satan takes the love of a man and a woman and twists it and perverts it just enough to make us think that it really isn't sacred. What is sacred is our happiness. And God wants you to be happy and feel good and to have beauty and pleasure. So if some of those things are missing in your marriage, then is it really, because God created it, is it really that big of a deal if If you find someone else that cares more about you, after all, he has a good and pleasing will for your life. You see how he can take something good and twist it just enough to convince you that your way is a little bit better than his. Satan is good at twisting things, he's good at taking things like truth. Truth sets us free, truth sets us free. Biblical truth is the foundation upon which we stand. It's 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 our it, we would say that that we want to have a biblical world view. We believe in the Bible. We're Bible people. Have you ever prayed the Lord's prayer and you and you get to this part where it says Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And have you ever have you ever thought I wish that wasn't part of that? I mean, I like the thing about the daily bread. I like the thing that, you know, he's in heaven and all that. I get at that, but but this whole thing about forgive us our trespasses just like I forgive others. And so we can say, well, I Probably in context, Jesus didn't mean that. So, so he t- we take a truth and we twist it just enough so we live defeated in the battle. In Romans 12, too, it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. This is a reference not to the physical world that you see, but the spiritual world system. It's the system that twists good things and makes it sin. The world system, the enemy system, is designed to woo you away from God. It's it's designed to take you away from God. It's set to destroy your relationship with others. The world system is the lust of flesh, the lust of our eyes, the pride of life. That world system that's out there, is designed to attract you, to catch your attention, and to woo you away or pull you away from God. The world, according to Romans 12, the world perverts something that God meant for good. So watch this one. We take the beauty of God's creation in all the different ethnicities there are the beauty of God's creation and all the races there are, and we twist it so that one race feels superior over others. We call it just the way it is. No, that's a world system. The biblical truth is we're all created in the image of God. And the idea, the idea of the color of our skin, or the, the how our eyes go, or how our bodies are formed—it it is all part of God's creation, His beauty, His His design. It, it, it did, he didn't He didn't create all of the ethnicities for us to uh, for us to to be, feel like we're superior over others. Reminds me of a missionary that went to Africa. And uh, this is in a book by Tenney. And uh, he, man, I am just, are you sure? Kevin, do you treat Lauren this way? <laughs> Lauren, you need to get my number. And if, if, if he doesn't turn the thermostat down where you want it, you call me. I've known him since he was that big when he used to beat up my kids at the bus stops. So. Am I the only one that's hot? Who said, who said that? Did you? Who was that? Yeah. Wow. No, Pam's on my side. Pam's on my side. Sorry. For those of you who are watching, it is still really hot in here. Um, so, what does it mean to experience God's best for you? Um, let me. Let me tell you what you received when you surrendered your life to Christ, okay? Maybe maybe nobody ever told you this. When you gave your heart to Christ, here's what you received. Your sins were forgiven. Forgiven. All of them. Even the ones that you can't forgive yourself for. Forgiven. You were placed in God's family. You were you were taken you were taken from from the family of the world system and you were put into the church that's why in this church we don't have like a a, 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 a role to join the church because when you accept Christ you've become part of the church you're, you're in you're in the church I remember somebody came to me and said I'd like to join your church and I said okay and they were like, "So what do I do?" I said, "Just keep coming." <laughs> I, because I'd grown up in the Church of God, right? I, I didn't know that there was anything but that. And they were like, "But but what do I do?" And I was like, "Just keep coming," <laughs> you know. So do I need to be baptized? Yes, you do. But because you follow Christ, you need to be bat- so. So this whole idea of when you became a Christian or when you decided to follow Christ, you, you gained a new family. Your sins were forgiven. You were taken out of the kingdom of darkness and you were placed in the kingdom of light. You became a son or a daughter of the living God, solely based on God's mercy provided to you through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Pastor Jared would say, sin is awful. Our sin is horrid. But grace is amazing. And that's what he's talking about. The reason that grace is amazing is you became a son or a daughter of the living God solely based on his mercy and his grace. I see a fan coming. I see a fan coming. Look at that. Oh, look at that. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, yes, I have, but I changed shirts during music and worship. Um, the, other th- the other thing that happened when you became a follower of Christ is you got all of Jesus. Ooh, and I just got the spirit. Uh, the spirit. When, in Acts chapter 2, when the spirit came into the room, that word is ruach. It's a fun word to say. Say it, ruach. Yeah, ruach. I feel the ruach of the spirit coming into the room. You got all of Jesus when you gave your heart to him. You got all of Jesus. Last week, we talked about this complete surrender to Christ, this sanctification. You are empowered to stand against sin. In good Wesleyan-Arminian theology, you don't have to sin. You don't have to lose the battle. You can win the battle. That's why these songs that we sing talk about conquering. It never talks about, oh, hey, we're, what's, what's the words of that song, Eric? Uh, so when I fight, I fight on my knees. The battle belongs to you, and I'm defeated. We don't sing that. You shine in the darkness, and I lose every battle. No, it says I win every battle. Why, why are songwriters and why does Scripture talk about winning the battle? Because the Holy Spirit that is inside of you empowers you to make the right choices to live by truth, and to walk in obedience to him. When when Jesus left this earth, he said to the disciples, hey, I have to go, but don't fear because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit back to you. And when I send the Holy Spirit back to you, I'm going to do that, and you're going to do greater things with the Holy Spirit inside of you and not just me being next to you. Have you ever read that and thought, I'd rather have Jesus? I'd rather have Jesus. Well, look, what Jesus is really saying is I'm going to go away. I'm not going to be next to you. I'm not going to be next to you anymore. I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the Ruach. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be in you. So would you rather have Jesus next to you or would you rather have him in you? And the the spirit of God is in us. You can experience God's best for your life, but you have to understand that there's an enemy that uses the world system to trip you up. But the Holy Spirit is in you and empowering you to make the right choices so you don't have to be Defeated. The whole temptation of Jesus in the wilderness is Satan attempting to trip Jesus up with good things, but he twists them into wrong things. So, like, what would have been the big deal if Jesus would have said, uh, like, when he said, "Hey, turn these, turn this stone into bread," because he was hungry? What's the big deal about that? What was the big deal about it? Well, the idea was it was a good thing. It would have been a fine. Thing. It would have been okay. But it wasn't what, that, that wasn't what the purpose of Jesus being, in the, in, being tempted in the wilderness and fasting and praying was all about. So, so what do we, we're still getting to this point. What do we do? What do we do with this battle? Last week when I was leaving, Ray said, Eric, when you preach on Romans 12 too, make sure you look up, up at the J.B. Phillips translation. Uh, our, uh, and, and so I did. And I wanted to to share this way. I think I have this on the screen too. Okay, let's look at this. Watch this. This is from the J.B. Phillips translation. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your mind from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good. The plan meets all his demands and moves toward the goal of true maturity. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. I know uh, Pastor Jared uses a lot of of, uh, verb tenses in the Greek, and so I wanted to make sure that you knew that I knew how to do that too. So, So this is passive, imperative, and present tense. OK, so this is how I would translate this. Stop allowing yourself to be molded by the influence and pressures of this world system right now. Stop it. Do you, have you ever seen that Robert Newhart, uh, Bob Newhart thing when he's, a, he's the, uh, uh, the counselor and, and his, his method of counseling? Lauren, you would like to. Have you ever seen this? Oh, my goodness. Um, it, his method of counseling, he said, I, pretty much I can fix everything. And so somebody comes into his office, and she says, just tell me what it is. And he said, okay, well, I think I can fix this. It'll be about $15. Really? Yeah, it's about 15 minutes. What? And he said, well, what is it? And he says, stop it. And she says, stop it? Yeah, stop it. Just just stop it. <laughs> That's what what the present passive imperative voice is. It's like, don't let the world squeeze you into a mold. Stop it. Stop it right now. Stop allowing yourself to be molded by the influence and the pressures of this world system, but be transformed by renewing your mind. That also is in the passive imperative present, which means do it right now. Renew your mind right now. Start right now to allow God to completely change your inward thinking and outward behavior by cooperating wholeheartedly, moment by moment, with the Spirit's renewing process. Then, that word, then, so that, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Many people I know, are not experiencing God's best for their life. And Romans 12.2 is a breakthrough for you today. Do not be conformed to this world. I could also say Paul is saying, when you're in a relationship with Jesus, you cannot have any other lovers. When you're in a loving relationship with someone and that relationship is compromised or broken, it's devastating to the person that you love. When I married Lisa, I made a covenant with her that she would be my wife. And and for the sake of this, she would be my wife and she would be my lover. And I would not do anything to betray that relationship. But if I were to conform to the patterns of another woman, I would betray that covenant that I made with Lisa. Does that make sense? Right. I would betray that covenant along with losing my life because you see, if you want God's best for your life, there can be no other lover. You must present your lives as a body to be used by God, not pursuing things of this world, but the things of the spirit. And that's when you begin to experience God's best for your life. You can have no other lover. When I was writing this this week, this song kept popping into my head. I had to ask uh, somebody about it today. Uh, The the song from Spice Girls, If You Want to Be My Lover. Yeah, it just kept bringing in there, and so I'm Googling and trying to figure out what song is in my head, and I couldn't figure it out. But anyway, Yvonne, in her worldly ways, helped me. <laughs> you see, the reason we're missing God's best in our life is not—it's not about our behavior. I want to be really clear about this. It's not about our behavior. And this is where we get things wrong. We come to church, and we hear maybe a sermon like this, or we hear a sermon, and you think, okay, I'm going to live differently this way. Here, here are the five things I need to check off my list so my behavior is better. And we think that we have to behave better. Or if we do certain things, we start, we're starting, uh, uh, to, we, we start to do other things, and that will get what God has for us. So if we change our behavior, then we're going to finally get what God has for us. Listen, I don't think it has to do with your behavior. You don't start there. You start in the love relationship. You, you, don't, you don't make a decision that says, okay, I'm going to quit flirting with someone at the office. You renew your mind and let the renewal of your mind dictate that, that behavior. If you don't renew our, your mind that's centered in a love relationship with Christ, you will not be able to change your behavior. I'm not that strong. I don't, I don't know, maybe you are. I'm not that strong. The world system has a very strong attraction. But if you have a mindset Or if you have a heart-centered relationship that is a love relationship, you wouldn't think of betraying that relationship. When we love the world, we break fellowship with our Father and and we receive the consequences of that instead of the transformation of our soul. So to be sure, let let me say some things here. I'm not talking about trying harder. I'm not talking about you leaving here and say, well, I'm going I'm to really, really try this week. Spiritual growth does not start with changing your behavior. Spiritual growth starts with changing who you love. The world or, this, or your savior. God, God, I mean, spiritual growth does not even begin when when you focus on, on attitudes. Spiritual growth always begins by focusing on renewing our mind. It's accomplished by the Spirit of God through the focusing on Jesus and his word in a relationship. And I would add to that also, I believe, an authentic community as well. Experiencing God's best is about renewing your mind. It's not about trying harder. It's not about working harder. It's about renewing our mind. I'm going to live this day with my allegiance pointed to God. My, my truth is his truth. My action will be his action. I will love like him and I will love others like him. So how do we do this? I want to walk you through uh, the band. The band can come on up and, uh, going to do a reprise of one of our songs, but I want to walk you through a, uh, just sort of a, uh, of a, of a discipline that, that I do often, uh, and, and what I mean about renewing your mind. Now, for me, there are two things that are really critical, but they don't have to be critical for you. I would say three things. Number one, the temperature in the room needs to be 70 degrees. Number two, I need a cup of coffee. You say, "Well, if you would drink iced tea, that might help your heat. That's my issue. Leave me alone. <laughs> so so with me, renewal of the mind often we'll start with a cup of coffee and a scripture um, and a journal. Uh, Ray actually has with him today. Can I, can I see that real quick, Ray? Um, Ray has a Bible that, and actually uh, I have it as well. I bought it about the same time. they must have had a a sale on these online for old men, um, but but it's it's the if you can see it it's the scripture. But on the sides it has it has enough for you to journal. So so for those for those of you who who uh, love to journal and sometimes you want both in the same. This is a great this is a great tool. Um, so when we were doing the uh, daily Bible reading through uh, b- the Book of Romans. My whole, my whole book of Romans is, is detailed now in a journal form, okay? I do this for a couple of reasons. I do it, first of all, and some of you who were here when I was pastoring might remember this. I do one Bible a year, and, and when, I'm, when I'm with Jesus, I will have left my kids and my grandkids and maybe nieces and nephews, Depends on how long I live, Um, a a piece of what God was doing in my heart at this time. So I I'll leave them I'll leave them a Bible. They ain't going to get any money, Uh, but but they are going to get a Bible. Um, And and I just think I just think this is a, a a great a great tool. So what I do is is I will sit with I will sit with a cup of coffee. I'll sit with my Bible, and then I will start I will start with my mind. Okay, thinking. my my head and I will start and I will just begin. What I'm going to do is I'm going to renew my mind and I'm going to just walk down my whole body. So I'll start with my mind and I'll talk, I'll I'll talk to Jesus about renewing my love, my words, what I listen to, um, my thoughts. I want to renew my mind and focus on him. Then I move to my heart, and I talk, I, I'll talk to Jesus about surrendering my heart and help me to love the way he loves, help me to see people the way he sees people, help me to love my family, help me to love my wife and my grandkids the way I'm supposed to love them. Then I, I move to my stomach. Here's, here's why I do this. I just finished a book called... Um, when your body says no, it's amazing how, how much worry and anxiety and stress affects your stomach. A lot of diseases that we face today, doctor, doctors in the room, can, can be pointed back to the stress and anxiety, and we, and we handle it in the gut. Have you ever been really worried, and, and, you, get, and you get really... For, where, does it, where do you feel it? In your stomach. Have you ever been confronted? And, and your, your heart, your blood pressure might be going up, right? But where do you feel it when you're being confronted and you're getting in trouble by someone? You feel it in your stomach. If you've ever received bad news, what do most people do? They don't go, oh. They go, oh. Why is that? Because that's where a lot of the anxiety and the worry takes place. And so when I'm walking, when I'm walking from my mind to my heart, to my gut, I am, I, I am, I'm saying, Lord, I give you all my anxiety. I give you all my worry. I give you all the things that I can't control. Then I go to my legs. My legs, that's my action. What I'm going to do today. And God may may my may my, my actions today be pleasing and acceptable to you. And then I go to my feet, asking God to guide my direction. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to demonstrate this for you today, as if you were sitting in my living room. And what would the temperature be? 70 degrees. Let's pretend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I just want to present to you all that I am and all that I hope to be. I want to start by renewing my mind. With that, Lord, I just think of, I want to love like you do. I want to be able to see people the way you see people. I want my thoughts to be clear, but I want them to be based on your word and not what Fox News or CNN is telling me. Make my thoughts clear. Make make my thoughts as someone who lives in the kingdom and not in the world. Help me to love those neighbors around me. May my thoughts be honoring to you. Lord, I I pray that you would transform my heart so that I could love like you do. That my love would not have an agenda, but I would just live my life just loving others. Lord, you know how much agony that my gut can carry from worry and anxiety. All these things that I have no control over, Lord, I surrender them to you. I pray, Father, that I would remember Scripture like, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. I pray, God, that I I would not allow the worries of this world to take me down. I pray that you would sanctify my mind and my heart and my stomach and my legs. Lord, may my actions, may my actions please you. As I go throughout this day, Father, I pray that my feet would be directed into the paths of where you want me Lord, I pray that every interruption that comes to me today, that I would be able to see it as a holy interruption. And that I would recognize you in that moment. May you be glorified and honored in my life this day. I want to experience the good and pleasing things that you have for my life. So I renew my mind, and I start this day with you. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe. And don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.